<laughs> I want to, um, and you know, I know today, as I said in our staff meeting earlier, I know today um, it, it is deemed as pastor appreciation, but as I said back there, we couldn't do, we wouldn't be what we are without you and without several things that you do. You're giving, your faithfulness to serve, your faithfulness to attend, and, and all of those things that come with just coming and being a church member. But, but I, want, I want you to understand a little bit about really what you do. Um, I began to look, Tina and I began to talk about how we, what does this church do beyond here, beyond the four walls? What does that look like? And as I begin to write down a few things, I'm going to miss some things that, that, that are not even related really to this community. I'm going to miss some things and people, but, I, but I've made a, a few notes that um, this church literally, I, I don't mean that as, a, as, as just a, a word I'm putting in place, literally reaches around the world. Th- this church I know you don't think much about it, but this church reaches around the world. Uh, many of you know, for an example, as a recent event, many of you know um, Jacques Robinson. He was here from South Africa. The thing that he wanted to know when he got, when he said, when I go back home, how do I get online? I want, I've got some people that I want to watch the sermons from LVA Church in South Africa, some 20 hours away. Also, in Uganda, just north of there, you give every month to feed some 40 orphan kids that do not have a mother or a father. Their mom and dad's not coming back to get them. They're dead. They've been killed in the Civil War over there. They're dead. The money that you give feeds an orphan. That from, from, from little old Bodunk, if you will, Lake Village, Arkansas, spot on the map that nobody cares about except us. Reaches around the world, making an impact for the kingdom. I got, I was going through some, some texts from some missionary friends of mine and some pastors in different places. One from Thailand, one from Poland, one from Tanzania, some from Russellville, Arkansas, some in Louisiana, Uganda, um, and I can't read my writing there, but there's another one, um, that we have just just all over the place missionaries that you support that reach around the world that is amazing to me that in Lake Village Arkansas we can reach so many people and you know what it's caused by is because you're giving your faithfulness to come your faithfulness to say I believe in what's going on we feed Literally every Wednesday night, hundreds of people, hundred, hundred plus people every Wednesday night. At just no charge, really. That's amazing to me. Do you know the impact that's making? It's having a huge impact on what you do. So I want to say thank you for all of you that serve. There's people that get here on Wednesdays and serve from 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon to prepare a meal. For you to eat, don't get paid a dime. But they come beyond their job, and they come and they serve. Thank you to all. There, there are people back right now. There's probably seven, eight, nine people back there right now preparing a meal for you to eat. What a blessing. People teach every week. 
We have people that have multiple jobs in this church that, that are busy and don't need anything else, and they see a need, and they'll step up and do something. There's teachers every Wednesday, every Sunday that faithfully teach, that faithfully hold multiple jobs. Thank you. You know who you are. Thank you. There are people who give money that behind the scenes that, that nobody knows. There's people who buy things and, and, and in our kitchen and in this church, and they, they just give because God is impressed on them. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, parents, for bringing your kids, those that teach on Wednesdays. My Lord, your little angels are not angels all the time. Hallelujah. I thought I was going to get all mushy and serious all the time. I can't be that. I'm sorry. But there's so much that goes on. Cleaning. Just, just so much that happens so that we can minister to people. Thank you so much. Will you just give yourself a big hand? Because you deserve it. Amen. You deserve it. Amen. All right. Well, you like that so much. We're going to get on to something else. Y'all like that about like I do. You know, I, um, I appreciate pastor appreciation, but it's, uh, it's never necessary. It's something I can do without. I don't, I don't do it because you'll say, amen, thank you, you've done a good job. Do it because my Savior called me. It's something I've got to do. Amen. And so uh, I want to read, uh, oh, Hallelujah. I gotta stall a minute. Will you run in my office and get my glasses? I am sorry. I gotta read off this out of this book for something, and I can't enlarge it. I can't do this and make it. <laughs> yeah, I was. Doesn't get any bigger, and doesn't get a bit bigger. I want to talk to you today uh, from from a passage of scripture in John. Thank you, kind sir. John chapter 20, but first I want to read something to you. I would title the message today, I guess I could title it two ways, but I'll just say that Jesus is all the heaven you need. In Jesus, that's all the heaven you need. And I'm talking about while we're here. Now, we're going to need it when we get there, but stay with me. So I want to read something that I found in a book. I, I support AFR and, and uh, personally. And um, Don Wildman started AFR, American Family Radio. And because we, we do that every month, they send us some little uh, happies or whatever you want to call it. But he's got a, sent me a book. And, and if you've ever listened to AFR, um, it has uh, It's My Turn on the radio. And it's little stories. And so I, I, I was reading through this and thought, man, this will be really good. It'll go along with my message. But the title of this little story is called Assembly is Extra. It says, many years ago, I was in the department store and noticed several new bikes on display. Since Timmy had asked for a new 10-speed, I decided to look at them a little closer. I noticed the price tag on one of the bikes, and underneath the price tag, in very small print, was written, $5 extra for assembly. Anybody ever seen those signs, assembly extra? says, you know, I started thinking about that and how, about, uh, how much that little extra line applied to life. For life, you see, is like the bike. You have to pay extra to get it assembled. Life never comes assembled. Even though we quite often wish it would, how easy it would be if we often think 
if life came assembled in a neat little package, ready for instant use, boy, wouldn't that be nice? But the truth of the matter is that it doesn't. Each individual has to assemble his own life and put it together himself. And like the bike in the store, we have to pay extra for the assembling. Now, if the person who puts the bike together follows the directions that come with the package, the bike will provide years of service and withstand bumps on the, in the road over which it will have to be ridden. And you know, life is like that also. Put your life together following the manufacturer's guidelines and you'll be able to meet the bumps and beat the bumps in life's road without being damaged. Of course, if you pay no attention to either the instructions concerning the assembling of the bike or your life, you can expect trouble along the way trying to make each or either one work appropriately. The man of Galilee gave, gave us the clue when it comes to putting our life together. Seek first God's way, he said, and the rest will fall into place. Despite many efforts, a better approach toward assembling life has never been found. We're given life, but not a finished product. We have put some effort into it. <clears throat> uh, we have put some effort into it, even if it's... Man, that's coming out wrong. Boy, that's getting me messed up right there. Let me read it again. We have to put some effort into it if it's ever going to work right. You wouldn't dare take the box of unassembled bike parts and shake it real good and expect the bike to fall out completely assembled and ready to use. Why then should we expect life to fall into place automatically? It is extremely more delicate and has far more pieces to be fitted together than the bike. If your life seems to be hitting more and more bumps, which are becoming rougher and rougher, it probably is because you have failed to follow the instructions in attempting to assemble it. You can, with your life as with the bike, reassemble it if it wasn't put together right to begin with. And it's foolish to think that, if that your life will automatically correct itself any more than the bike will. You will have to expend an effort. To, you will have to expend an effort and follow instructions if you expect your life of your bike to be ready to meet you, to help you through rough places in the road. Personally, I want my bike and my life to be able to take the bumps. And for that reason, I try to follow the instructions given by the manufacturer or the creator as closely as I follow those of my bike's manufacturers. To me, it just makes good sense to do so. Now, that's uh, something simple, and it goes along with my message, but if you've ever tried to assemble things, put them together with all the little pieces, if you're not careful, you will become frustrated because this piece looks like it should go here, and it doesn't go there. You ever put together a swing set for a child? A crib, I'm into putting things together as I'm getting grandchildren, things that I thought I'd never do again, reassembling. And I'm pretty mechanically inclined, and so I also have a male ego that says I do not need instructions because I'm a man. I have a toolbox in my house. I have a toolbox in my office at this church. I have a toolbox in my truck. I have a huge toolbox in my, in my shop. I don't need instructions. But about halfway through me assembling something, 
I look at it and say, something just doesn't look right. And I begin to look and say, I'm halfway through and I've got most of the parts still left. Probably not going to turn out very well. And if you're married or ever have been married, this may be cause of the divorce, your wife says, have you read the instructions? What did you do with the instructions? And typically we say, well, I don't need the instructions. And my wife in her sweet, calm, gentle voice that y'all know, there is another one, but I do know that voice. She says, you probably ought to read them and walks off to let me kind of wallow in my own pity and stupidity. Life is like that a lot of times. We think we can do it without God. We think that God is something that we can put over here. He's like the instructions. We don't want to throw them away just yet, but we'll try it first without the instructions. Let me do it for a while, Lord, on, on my way. And I'll just put your book on the shelf or somewhere in the back seat or somewhere over there. I can get to it if I need it, but I probably won't need it because I'm a good person. I know how to do life, God. I'm, I'm okay. And yet it falls apart. And a lot of times I see people quickly run for the instruction manual on how to put their life back together. And then so many times we ask this question or people ask this question, why God did this happen? And I know God's response. I gave you a manual in the beginning and you never read it till you got in trouble. Had you read it in the beginning, believed in me then, you might not be in the middle of what you are now. Think about that just a minute. To explain my title, Jesus is all the heaven you need, I'll say it this way. Jesus is in the deity of heaven. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus is worshipped in heaven. And Jesus is is the only way to heaven. Jesus is literally, has been literally, heaven come down to earth. Jesus is what you need. He is the instruction manual. He is the the instructions you can go to to reassemble your life if it has been broken. I don't know about you, but I've had some broken times in my life. I've had some issues in my life being a good guy and still have issues because I didn't follow God's instructions sometimes. It seems that every Christian has their full attention on heaven Well, that is good, what about the here and now? I'm going to challenge you on some thoughts in just a minute. But when we get to heaven, I won't have to fight the things I do now. Have you ever thought about that? That this book is not so just so you can get to heaven. It's not, it's not culminating. It doesn't, it doesn't come to fruition just there. But what about here where I'm dealing with so much stuff that breaks me? I won't won't need the Bible when I get to heaven. You ever thought about that? You're there. This Bible is your instruction manual here. 
the deal is you only get to do it one time. You only go through life one time. But heaven is a culmination of what we live for here. You won't be faced with the things there that you are here. You won't have the trials and troubles and tribulations, the frustrations. You won't fight sin there. You won't even be tempted by sin in heaven. But boy, you are here. (laughs) When I get to heaven, I will have already overcome. When I get there, man, that's going to be so exciting. We put a lot of stock in it, and we should. But I think so many people are broken because we look so forward to the end that we forget that we're living between now and the end. That we got to deal with stuff between now and the end. We got to deal with sin. We got to deal with the fallen nature of man. We got to deal with our own lust. The Bible says I sin when I'm, when I'm drawn away from my own desires. That's when, that's when I have a problem. Well, there I won't have those. Praise God. That's good news. But I'm living here and I like living. I've come accustomed to it. I like it a lot. I want to keep living. I want to live to my last day. Amen. I'm excited about life and living. I'm excited about going to heaven. But I'm more excited about being an overcomer and helping people overcome while we're here than I am necessarily just getting to there. I didn't say it about heaven, about getting there. I want to help people. We as a church body should want to say, I want to be like Jesus here and help people get to heaven. And that's tough. How different would our lives be if we lived for Christ to spread the gospel rather than living for Christ to go to heaven? Think about that just a minute. How much different would our lives look if we lived to spread the gospel? Because that's really what you're supposed to do, by the way. Christ got you to, Christ has already done the work to get you to heaven. You confess and believe and live for him, okay? Our job is to spread the gospel. But we look in the American church today, and it's almost like we just live to get to heaven. We're walking around like I've got my, my insurance card, my fire insurance, and, 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 and I, I just want to put him back on the, he's, yeah, I know about the instructions. Let me just put that over there, and I'll just get through life some way. But I'm going to heaven. I'm going to make it. I'm saved. What about those that are around us that God has anointed you to help? That God's anointed you and called you to be a light unto the world, to spread the gospel. If you keep this thing to yourself, what have you really done? Not much. Oh, you'll get to heaven. But there's more. Let me pose it this way. way. I want you to listen If we viewed our life here as to spread the gospel of the good news, I've listed a couple, a few things that would be different, that you would visibly see different. Number one, we would have plenty of volunteers in the church. There would be no empty seats in the church. 
There would be multiple church services. We would feed the poor. We would clothe the naked. And we would cast out the demons and break strongholds. And we would heal the sick. We would be kingdom builders. If we simply said, I will live for Christ here and spread the gospel here, rather than just think, it's all in the end. Let me say it this way. This is kind of personal. If living for Christ on this earth is to spread the gospel and serve the church. So let's just say that's, that's their goal. So if, if living for Christ on this earth is to spread the gospel and serve the local church, if that idea was likened to your job, would you get fired or promoted? If that was the standard, we overlaid the standard of your work ethic onto spreading the gospel and serving in the local church, would you get fired or would you get promoted? I didn't like it either. I tried to reword that so many times when the Lord gave it to me to fit you or fit someone else or my wife. I didn't like it. I'm afraid a lot of us would get fired from doing certain jobs. We give it that little attention. I knew you'd like it. Thanks for bringing the Viennese sausage and the banana pudding because it feels like I'm going to need it. In John chapter 20, <laughs> Ralph said he's taking his food and going back to his house. In John chapter 20, verse 24, starting at verse 24, I want to read some scripture. Y'all might go tell them we're going to be out a little early if somebody wants to do that, but don't stay long because you don't want to miss this. John 20, chapter 20, verse 24 says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. This is after the resurrection. Um, there's a period of time there that he's showing himself to people. And so it's in that time. He has not yet ascended to heaven. So that's the time frame. He's already shown himself to uh, the disciples, except for Thomas. And so um, I want you to know that part. It says, um, the, the, the other, in verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Now they're speaking to Thomas. And so he said to them, unless I see his hands and the, and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's Thomas. Verse 26, and he says, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, says the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Now, I don't know about you, and you ask, I read the Bible really different. So why would he say peace to you? Well, number one, the doors are shut and he shows up. I don't really believe in ghosts, but if he shows up, I'm like, what? Uh, what'd you do? How did you get in? I didn't hear the door open. And he says, peace to you. The disciple says, uh-huh, okay. Okay, it's a little spooky. You know, Thomas is like, oh, okay. And so verse 27 says, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here 
and look at my hands and reach and reach your hand here and put into my side. Do not, watch this, when Jesus directly addresses you by name and then tells you what to do, he's given you some instructions. He said, Thomas, there's 12 guys in the room. He gets in there and he says, Thomas, pay attention. I need your attention. I want you to touch my hands. And I want you to put your hand in my, sc- my side where I've been pierced. And then he gives another instruction that says this. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas has been given the name of Doubting Thomas. I don't know why. I don't know why we as a society have given him the name Doubting Thomas. Because I doubt more than Thomas. Thomas was being real. He says, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So many times in the church, we're the same way. I'm not going to move until he moves me. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Until I see him do what, is, what the word says, I won't believe it. You've just nullified what God's word, the instructions of God's word. You're trying to assemble your life together backwards. You're trying to put P, C, D, and E together before you put A and B together. That typically is the way it works. You put A and B together before you get to C. Y'all know those little stickers that you have on those things? Tell me why that they double letter it. Put A, A with B, B. And B, B attaches to C, C. And they only get to like K in the alphabet. Did we really need to double up on the AA and the BC, BB and CC? Y'all don't read instructions like I do either. I'm just a simple guy. Just keep it simple. A, B, C. Amen. It says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Verse 28 says, and Thomas answered and said to him, watch this. Now, because he sees him, because he sees God, he calls him my Lord and my God. Prior to that, he didn't even believe he was out of the grave, that he had been resurrected. And all of a sudden, with one sight, with Thomas fixing his eyes on him one time for a minute, he says, my Lord and my God. That's significant because he had already known what was going to happen. He was with the disciples. He knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to be resurrected. But yet he did not believe. You know, the Bible tells us that he's going to help you through your night, your dark time, that he'll set you free, that in him, the Bible says that where the presence of the Lord, there's freedom. He is a, he is a bond breaker. He is a marriage restorer. He is a savior to the lost. He, God, Jesus Christ, He is those things, but we don't believe that it can happen to us. That's for someone else. We will pray and say, well, that's for them. Oh, I'm going to believe and pray with you. But when it comes to us, we don't think he really can. We forget the instruction manual when it comes to our lives. Why is that? You're no different than Thomas. Thomas simply was waiting to see some results before he put stock in the belief. 
that is contrary to what God's Word says about us. God's Word says when you pray, you believe. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if I can see what I'm praying for, it doesn't require faith. It's when I pray for something that I cannot yet see, but I believe for it to happen. And I stand on God's Word that says, when I pray, I believe. That's the instruction manual. And we wonder why the church is so weak. Because we're trying to assemble this thing called the Christian life on our instructions, not on His. We believe prayer is something you turn to in the end. We'll try all of the methods that's necessary before we pray. And when we pray, we hope He'll do it. Lord, we know just the very fact of you praying the last at the end tells us how much faith we really have. Think about it. If we had faith in God and followed the instruction manual and prayed in the beginning, starting with page one of the instruction manual, I think our lives would be so much different. The church would look so much different. The church would be full today. Our loved ones would possibly know Christ today. Our friends would know Christ today. Is that not what it's about? Verse 28 again, Thomas said, <clears throat> Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. The word Lord, Lord right here means to, uh, one to whom a person or thing belongs. The word God right here is theos and it means the only true God. Thomas set himself up to start following the instructions. He simply said, you are the one I now belong to. You are my Lord and my God. You notice, I notice with people, dealing with people in, in, in ministry, that he becomes their Lord and their God, and they want to belong to God in the middle of their stuff at the, when, they, when they have no other avenue. That's when they want to say, oh, I belong to God. I've been following God. Yeah, for six hours since you got the bad news. Does that mean if I follow Christ and nothing bad is ever going to happen to me? Absolutely not. But it does mean that as he spoke peace to you, you will have peace in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your, uh, your persecution, in the middle of that thing that you were following God, you'll still have peace. Nowhere are you promised peace for every moment of your life in that Bible. Nowhere. Now, Jack Daniels will offer you that. Xanax will offer you that. Fentanyl will offer you that. But the Bible is true. Its instructions are correct. It will not offer you peace for every moment of your life. But if you follow it, you will have peace that you can walk through the storms of life. Verse 29 says, And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know what? I look at that and I say, man, I'm just a step above Thomas because I hadn't seen. And the Lord says, blessed are people like you and I that have not seen, but we believe. 
We believe that we're going to heaven. Bobby and I, I think we were talking about the other day, had a conversation. I've never met anybody that, 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 that has, I've never met anybody that's dead, but if you die, people come around and say, oh, they were a Christian. They believe that they're going to heaven. They don't believe anything else about God, but they believe they went to heaven. That's pretty much the option you have. You ain't got but two. I've never, I've never been to a funeral. People say, well, you know, he went straight to hell. Boy, I bet he's burning now. I bet he wish he had went to church with me. Now, I never did ask him, but boy, I bet he, he knew I went. He should have went. He never accepted Christ. But it's hot. Everybody believes. But it seems like we believe a little too late. We follow the instruction manner when we're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. And the, I'm not saying that you're over at that life because I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. I'm going to feel like that when I'm 90 as well. I mean, just so you'll know. <laughs> May not feel like it, but it'll be up here. But we waste so many good years, so much time. I don't know how you view life, but I view life as my time is valuable. I, I'm a planner. I plan tomorrow's already been planned out for me. Should the, Lord willing, I don't get above God, in front of God. Lord willing, I've got a plan for tomorrow. I'm a planner. Why? Because I like to be efficient. I like to say, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Does that always happen? No, but most of the time it does. It's pretty close to that. So I make a list on this iPad and on my phone. It says, things to do today. You say, you're pretty simple, aren't you, Patrick? Mm, yeah, I'm pretty simple. But when people come to work for me, Ralph, if you were to work for me tomorrow, and you're not, because I only have one thing of INS sausage that you brought. You didn't bring two. Bring your own lunch. Ralph's going to know what we're going to do all day. Ralph, these, these are the things I got on my list. You know why? Because when we finish one thing, I don't have to, we don't have to have another meeting to figure out where we're going to. You've already got the instructions. It's what we're going to do next, and it's what we're going to do next, and it's what we're going to do next. My life is full of adventure, and I'm busy. I want to make the most time that I can for the kingdom. See, intermingled in all of this stuff, the hub of my life is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we could get the instruction manual ingrained in us that in my life, the number one purpose, I'm already going to heaven, I'm saved. See, it's not about that. It's not about me working so I can be good, so I can get to heaven. He's already done all that. It's about me working so I can spread the gospel to expand the kingdom. And we need to be as efficient as we possibly can, so therefore we need to follow the instructions. Let me finish. Verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, watch this, these things are written. If you'll read the Gospels, you'll, you'll get these things. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Life, that, that word life means now. It means the existence of current what it means right now. The Bible wants you to have life now. 
Nowhere does, does the Lord, I've heard people say, well, the Lord allowed me to be on drugs or, 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 or get addicted to, to lust and uh, pornography so I could, I could come out and be something better. Well, that's, that's the life from hell. No, you just, you didn't get in the instruction manual. He never intended for, now the enemy, Satan did, but he never, he never caused bad things to happen so you'll be better. That's the dumbest thing ever. Think, think about that just a minute. Who in here would want your kid to go through something like that? To say, I just want you to be better. Why don't we just be better in the beginning? Why don't we just follow a manual so that we can take the time that we spent doing that stuff and spend it spreading the gospel? My daughter asked me one time several years ago when she was about 18, uh, 17 or 18. We were sitting on the couch and we were talking about... Because we always had people in and out of our house, always doing ministry at the house with kids and stuff. And we had heard someone speak on something and gave an awesome testimony. You know those awesome testimonies? You think, man, that's God. Glory to God. I mean, just, whoo, run your socks up now. I'm talking about them good ones. We came home from church, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and she was sitting on the couch, and she looked at me, and she said, Dad, do I have a testimony? I said, oh, honey, you got the best one I've ever seen. She said, I've never done anything wrong, Dad. I've never had beer to my lips or cigarette to my lips, nothing. She said, Dad, I I don't do anything wrong. I just, she used goody two-shoes. Do I have a testimony? Sweetheart, you have the greatest testimony. That you never followed what the enemy enticed you with. You never went that direction. You always followed Christ. Yes, you got the best one. See, following the instruction manual sets you up for good. Following the instruction manual in the beginning turns out to be a beautiful product. You don't have to go back and reassemble and take apart and put back together. Why would we want to do that? It's the way that the enemy says, I'll get you messed up. God says, I can restore you. But there's years we've lost. Let's just follow the instruction manual in the beginning. Jesus is all the heaven you need here. Let's look to Jesus here. Let's follow him first. Not second, not third. He's not, he's not a, a, a checklist. Well, I've done this, this. Well, here's Jesus at the bottom. Let me try him. We do that. I'm sorry. In America, we do that. I've been guilty of myself and we're all that away. If we're honest, we've been guilty. I'm saying, God, I'll try you, but let me try some other things first. I'll close with this. Glory to God. Dale, you better tell them, cook that meat up, put it on high. John 10 and 10 says this. That the thief does not come to come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, if, if, you're, if, you've, if you're wondering what the purpose of the enemy is, he explains it in those three verbs. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do in your life. To kill, to steal, and destroy. To destroy your life. That's his purpose. And then in the same scripture, we find out what the purpose that God has also doing in our lives is this. And he says, now this is written in red if you have a red letter edition. And he says, and I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
Now that's dual meaning. Life when we get there. But guess what? When you get there, the devil can't steal anything from you. He can't destroy you. Can't kill you. So if you look at this verse with application, when he says, I've come to give you life, that is here. That is while you're here. That you can have life and have it more abundantly. There's no greater joy in your life than winning somebody to Christ. I, look, I've witnessed some grandchildren being born, children being born, friends, kids being born. This, oh, it's just, that is to me is amazing. Life is amazing. I've witnessed a lot of things in my life. I've witnessed uh, the, the beauty of, of, of a grandchild running into my arms. Oh, my gosh, that just gets, man, if you've got grandkids, it just doesn't get much better. But when you lead somebody to the Lord, do you know that supersedes all of those things I just mentioned? I can't explain why, but it supersedes because I believe it's because we're about the Father's business. Now that, friend, is life and life more abundantly. When are we going to quit playing church and saying, Lord, you've given me a mandate from heaven. You've given me a mandate from heaven. To build the kingdom. I don't think you really understand that the God of the universe has placed in our laps and in our abilities and in our talents to build the kingdom of God for Him. He trusts you with the kingdom building. Whoo, that's heavy. He's trusted you with your children to make sure they get the correct instructions to get to heaven. And to live a life that's full and abundant here. When will we start following the instructions in the manual? And realize heaven is a place that I love and long to be. But Jesus has already brought heaven down here. And I should follow in his footsteps of what he was doing here. Heaven's already my gain. Heaven is my gain. If I, if I die today, heaven is my gain. I believe that. Matt, I believe that. Today is my last day. Praise God. I'm, I'm going to heaven. But if it's not my last day, who can I talk into going to heaven with me? You thought it would be a different pastor appreciation day. See, I appreciate you. So I got to tell you this stuff every time I preach. I got to tell you the truth. Because this life is where we will make a difference in other people's lives. Do you hear me? This life is where we make a difference in other people's lives. This life right now is when we get to win people to the Lord. When we get there, they're already there. We're not going to win anybody to the Lord. We're not going to make a difference in their life. They're already there. They're at the same status we are. It is here that we have influence that God has said, I want you to be kingdom builders. Follow the instructions. Man, if we could get our young people to just follow the instructions at the beginning. They are following instructions. Most of the time it's what we set before them. 
Amen. Are y'all hungry? Me too. Glory to God. I ate this morning though. If you stand with me, please.